Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Hey humans, David Smalley here from the Dogma Debate Podcast right here on Podcast One, where we talk about all the things you're not supposed to discuss at work, religion, politics, abortion, racism, slavery, and that's only when we open the Bible. We discuss Islam, Islamophobia, what does that even mean? We chat with vegans, animal rights activists, and even visit factory farms to see it for ourselves. I invite people from multiple backgrounds to convert me into their worldview. But as long as they are okay with being respectfully challenged, you better bring your evidence. And I never lose sight of how both the left and the right are seeming to lose their minds. So basically, we're solving all the world's problems right here on Dogma Debate. And you've been missing it. Watch our 360 virtual reality videos on the Podcast One app and download Dogma Debate on iTunes, Stitcher, or PodcastOne.com. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. Of course, check out the swing and sounds. Don't forget to support those that support us and check out everything else at drdrew.com. We appreciate it very, very much. My privilege to welcome the program, Mike Zaplin, Zappy, as he yes. is known. The documentary is The Reality of Truth, which I'm very excited to talk about. Uh, uh, let me just give all the particulars. You can get it at YouTube. Uh, website is zappy, Z-A-P-P-Y.com. At Zappy Warrior is the Twitter handle. CEO of Zappy Inc., which is a cannabis development company. Uh, Zappy has worked. Zappy, should I? Yes. yes. Too many <laughs> okay, mics out okay. there at right, this good. point. It's annoying. Zappy has worked with Deepak Chopra, Mike Milliken, uh, Michael Milken, uh, Bill Clinton, been featured on every major outlet, and, uh, and he's here today, and I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Tell people about the movie. Oh, the movie. Uh, first of all, you played a very important role in that because you were a. Almost like everybody had their opinion. I mean, the movie's about the importance of going inside your own mind for yeah. answers, and yeah. everybody's looking outside. And so I t- basically took me, Michelle Rodriguez, some of our friends, deep guided by Deepak Chopra, and we basically tried all these techniques of going inside our own minds and found a lot of answers. And the, the film, we put it on YouTube this summer. We've had over a million, 250,000 people just on YouTube people watch love the whole it. film. They yeah, love the thing. they're freaking out. They're freaking because, out, yeah. yeah. And and tell, talk about the different things that you used and what things were useful, what things were not useful, and how it changed, how long this went on for, yeah. this kind of thing. I, I actually I thought it was going to be just like a six-month project, but of course it turned into four and a half years. Jesus. But it really was an organic story. What happened was I was – what we did was we tried – psychedelics we we went down to peru me michelle some of our friends we went down to peru with the idea that if we could go deep inside our mind with some of these you know plant medicines that in the past when maybe me or michelle had done psychedelics we just kind of were young and we're like oh i wonder what this is this clever and this fun yeah wow but and to be and to be um to take that that paradigm seriously Psychedelic psychotherapy is something that was popular before the psychedelics were scheduled. Yes. And they were scheduled in in a very strange way. They're like considered evil molecules in this country, which is just, again, why some molecules are bad and some – it's bizarre. It's, it's beyond bizarre. bizarre. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, actually one interesting thing is the day that they made psychedelics illegal in this country was the day after I was born. Oh, where? It was October 4th, 1966, the day after I'm born. So I'm born and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, you can't go inside your mind. That's so off this, limits. This, this baby has been born. We can't go there. Yeah. But uh, – and so the psychedelics are making a resurgence in, in – in well – 
it's insane that we can't do research in them. It's yeah. insanity. And but the research is slowly starting to happen, mostly in PTSD and in the death and dying realm. Yes, and showing extremely good results. It's very Amazing. helpful. What exactly is going on? We're not entirely sure. I have lots of friends. I think we have mutual friends mm-hmm. that that use high psychedelics in various ways. Um, most of the people that do it responsibly seem to do it as a way of looking into something that they then want to go back and find a way into in a more sustained way. Is that a good way to say yeah, that? Yeah, I like that. You know, I liked what you said. The reason I said what you said was important in the movie was you were saying, look, I, I it's not for me right now. I can't – I don't know everything. I'm a Western doctor. I've been trained a certain way. Yeah. Do uh, no harm. Yeah. And if they'd give me the research, maybe I can make a call. That's but it. there's no research. It's crazy. So um, – but the what I liked was it, the research is irrefutable, like you said, in what, what dying, is getting in done. the dying process. It's like oh my we God. need something there. I mean, it's yeah. like when you're dying, all of a sudden your family's like, oh, they are in the hospital. Like, stay away. Yes, you're sick yes. and dying. You yeah. don't want to get on that on you, you know. Right. But meanwhile, if you could have that opportunity right in that moment to maybe go inside right there, shift your consciousness, maybe you know. Uh, have that experience of increasing your empathy immediately and shifting. Okay, so we're, we're getting into multiple. I'm going to crack, break it all down. Yeah. So, so, and and by the way, from my perspective, I am not sitting here today in this in this podcast encouraging or endorsing hallucinogens. We are exploring them. I am. I'm lamenting the fact that I don't don't have more research that I could then make recommendations or yes. or, or tell you where to worry or not worry. We don't have it. We just yeah. don't have it yet. But but the public is getting ahead of of science because it it does have utility, and people are just forging on to use them. They feel like I, I, I want to use these things. Why shouldn't I? It's so stupid. But anyway, yeah. uh, in the death and dying zone, because there's two things you now talked about. One is changing your consciousness, and the other is empathy. And in the death and dying side, what I keep hearing is helpful is a sense of connection to something greater than self. That's right. That, that, that realizing this self that is about to die is really not all what it's about. Yeah. A- and that helps people go through that process. That's huge. I mean, in the, in the movie, The Reality of Truth, Michelle and I, before we did it, we said, let's try to see if we could have maybe a spiritual experience. Like, we know it might be just our brain, brain playing a trick. Gary? I think Adam turned the heat uh, heat on in here. The cold cool off. Oh, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Zappy breaking a <laughs> yeah, sweat, breaking and I'd like you to go please, ahead and rectify right. that for you. Please right. help no out worries. here. I'm going to do this. Dave. Yeah. So, so go ahead and, and you're yeah. saying so you were, you so you thought of I'm um, first your first thought was we're going to have a spiritual experience and maybe we can induce one regardless of whether it's a biological thing or whatever. We'll still have one. Yes. We're not going to pass judgment on the kind of spiritual experience. Exactly. Because I think, you know, coming back to the tragedy of the whole thing is 50 years ago when they outlawed it, they basically said, well, we don't know what these things do. We don't know if they're dangerous. It made a lot of sense. Of course, they have to be studied. But then they scheduled them and didn't let anybody study them. So we don't even know. We've never even cracked the surface except you've got all these, you know, maybe a million people or something or millions who have – in their own way, taken some kind mm-hmm. of a psychedelic mm-hmm. and had, of course, we haven't had mass deaths or anything like that. So now, here we are, people for the first time are taking real responsibility for their own health. 
the internet is opening up opportunities to them. And I'm sure patients come to you and hand you articles and stuff Mm. and say, what do you think about this? So we're in a new moment where people don't just trust their doctor because he has that certificate on his wall and stuff. Well, the problem is that they're confusing information with knowledge and wisdom because what we, what one of my peers have started to put on their wall is like, please don't concern, don't confuse your Google search with our medical training, because what you learn in a Google search, yeah, yeah, we knew that at the end of second year medical school. Then we had eight more years of training of applying it and doing it and seeing it and having a developing judgment around it, yeah, which is very different than just the information, yeah, and, uh, I and think which is what we don't have because there's no research to develop that judgment. So. Exactly, and now I think it's like it's. Almost we're at a moment where with the world we're living in where uh, who knows Kim Jong-un's going to do something or a hurricane's going to happen or whatever it is, people can't be kept from this if they have an addiction or they have depression or if they're, you know, three weeks from dying. You can't just – it's slavery almost to say to somebody, oh, you can't take this natural thing that might – do something of positive value for your life. I mean, yeah. that just doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. And, and so you went down, you wanted to have a spiritual experience, and what happened? Um, it was amazing. In the movie, you see what I think was the most powerful part of the movie, and we did explore meditation and some breathing techniques to try to put you into that same present moment awareness. But what I think what happens is I we went in with the intent of just expanding our consciousness, not trying to get answers to questions like why does this keep happening or you know something like that, but just more general. I want to have a expand my consciousness and see what happens. These people, these shaman, have been using this stuff for thousands of years, millennia, um, in different ways. And what's amazing in the movie is you see Michelle Rodriguez and you see her transformation. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, she's you know comes she's really cool but she's got a kind of an edge to her and then we did something called san pedro which is a cactus kind of like a peyote kind Mm. of a mescaline at the top of a mountain and halfway down the mountain she has this breakthrough that she talks about in the movie where this anger or the sadness that she had been carrying around for a long time she just was able to let it go you know she had the realization that hey you know this stuff happened after to me. one one exposure one exposure that's crazy in the right set and setting cuz i think that's critical that's you and i talked point. about that yep. last set time set and setting does seem to have some utility it's, yeah you we don't it. know what those still are. we 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 think we do but we yeah. don't know we should if we'd been studying this like everything yes, else but yes. well certainly the the empiric applicants the people that have been using it for thousands of years would reinforce the need for a certain kind of setting. Yeah, you want to be in a place that's safe. You want to yeah. be with the right people. I mean, I think that's critical. I wouldn't recommend anybody do anything unless they're in the right scenario. So with the, the you might watch the uh, – there's a Cary Grant documentary out there where he chronicles – he had psychedelic psychotherapy. Yes. And he talks about how he, for him, he had multiple, multiple experiences, which is interesting, and, mm-hmm. and no sequelae, which is interesting. Uh and he eventually had something similar to what Michelle's talking about, where he sort of dropped his defensive strategy and became connected to people he loved. And he talked about, at least in this documentary, as really a increasing capacity for love, like the ability to love mm-hmm. that he didn't really have before. It was, yeah, it was interfered empathy. with. Well, you're using empathy as a word, and, and that word does come up when people are talking about it. Is it a, and, and, I, and I've... 
He comes up in different contexts, though. Because, like, for instance, people on – did you take other well, – other, other So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what happened yeah. was uh, she she had that moment. And yeah. then we went – we hiked down into the jungle in, you know, in Did it uh, scare Peru. her when she had that moment or she felt no, relief? No, it, it was just a really – she said yeah. it was like 10 years of therapy, just a, a weight off her shoulders. She said she finally – she she felt like she stepped in even to her femininity for isn't one that, of the first times. Great. I mean, think about that. And But I – to me, that's phenomenal, and yet it's scary as a physician. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, how do we control that? How do we get that for somebody? How do we know it's going to be that and not something more or something right. crazy or something that they step into they don't like? Or right. Who knows? It seems feels uncontrolled, but at the same time, fantastic. Yeah. And then, so. you know, so we wound up after that doing ayahuasca, which is a brew. Like immediately after? Uh, two days later. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, – we did that, and you know, you, it's a brew that they brew, and you drink it, and it's a, like a seven-hour experience, transcendental experience. And that, when you see her the days after, you can see that just everything she's ever known or believed was just, you know, destroyed. And mm-hmm. she said, maybe, you know, everything I thought in my whole life is bullshit. Can she – could she artic- – how old was she then? She, she did an amazing job of articulating. This was maybe like – uh, four years ago, so you know. So she was how old? Approximately, uh, I don't know, early thirties. Thirties, early thirties. Yeah. When she says she thought everything was bullshit, was it more about how she felt about everything? Um, you know, I, I, this is my experience. Well, what, the most important thing I think that people see from her in the movie is this big transition, mm. but she's still herself. Mm-hmm. She never loses who she is. So there's no personality change, right? No. She's, and this was how long ago? Four years ago, you said? Yeah. Any, any residual now? Yeah. I So in the movie, we follow up together every, you know, we would hang out a bunch of times and we wound up doing other plant medicine things and we would kind of get together. And what I, what I really appreciate about Michelle was... I kept getting together with her like within a week or two of the Fast and Furious movies coming out. Mm. So it was like, you know, first movie to do $500 million, billion dollars and all this kind of stuff. And you could see that somebody else might have just gone off and done crazy partying after that and celebrated in whatever way. You couldn't blame them, you know, for being on that high of a high Mm -hmm. of status, of celebrity and all that. But she was really like taking the time out to hang out with me and our friends and talk about more meaningful things yeah and i didn't it didn't the the success didn't have the kind of meaning to her that other things did exactly and then uh paul walker her co-star wound up dying during the process oh my god in this and she said it really this really helped her to deal with that it was kind of misreported in the news what she was saying Mm. but you see it in the movie and she says she had this realization that you know, she is bigger than just her physical body. She is connected. And I think, you know, that word that you keep saying, connection, I think that's the critical thing because that's what everybody's searching for in life. They yeah. just want connection. Yeah, yeah. And so there's really three words that that come up in, in this phenomenology of, of hallucinogenics, which is love, connection, and and uh, empathy. That like that you, can, you and, and like with MDMA particularly, people feel like, Nothing's more important than what that other person they're focused on is feeling in that right. moment. You want the, you feel so empathic for that person that that's all that matters. Yes, and but that's MDMA. Did yes. you guys do that? Um, I've done MDMA. I mean, I consider myself like a you know psychonaut where I've tried pretty much everything. I went after the movie. Um, there's an amazing story in the movie that people really need to see, which is uh, one of the people who was with us in the beginning of the movie. This guy Jerry Powell. He wound up. He had a drug problem that I didn't know about at the time, but he wound up 
going down to Costa Rica and doing something called iboga. And iboga, ibogaine. Yeah, ibogaine, exactly. It's a root that comes from Africa, yeah. and it's known to be able to break an addiction. And this guy had a – he was shooting drugs. He was drinking. He was – he had sold his company for $100 million, but he was literally trying to kill himself yeah. uh, through his activities. So he did one iboga session. He, You'll see in the movie he breaks – free of something that he'd been suppressing for his whole life and it freed him right there he just was like oh my god like i'm never doing drugs again i'm not i'm happy i i'm i'm i love life and he you see him and what happened is that's amazing is he wound up opening a center in costa rica plant medicine the first legal plant medicine center because of his experience and now you go down there it's the perfect set and setting Mm. for you to do ayahuasca and these different things and People just have these absolute breakthroughs. It's like now, 10 years of Now, therapy. I've seen a lot of people take uh, Ibogaine, and only one did I see stay off drugs. Yeah. They all stayed off for six months, Yeah, and they all went back on. That's right. You have what to- What happened to him? What happened is the Iboga, it's powerful because it basically you know, clears- your receptors, yep. so you're not having these cravings. Or, or we're not sure what that's doing, <laughs> whatever, because yeah. we get no research. That's but, my lay person yeah. explanation. Yeah, but, for a little bit, a month, two, you don't because, have any because, cravings. Because cravings are a good thing in addiction. See, that's the thing. People like get all upset about cravings. Cravings are a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's when you don't have cravings that your disease can really do its thing. Because it's not, it's all happening underneath your awareness. Yeah. When you have cravings, at least you know there's a appetite of function at, at work. So you can kind of go, okay, well, I know I want to do that. I better watch out as opposed to things that just affect your thinking. Right. And then you end up back using. Well, I think like that's, it gives you like a moment or yeah. call it a couple months to change your lifestyle and change your life. So you have to get into a lifestyle change right there. It's not a quick, it's a, it's a quick moment to let you step yeah, it's back. A res- it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a deep breath. Like, oh, okay, I'm okay for right the moment. Yeah. And then you got to change your life. But this guy, he, he changed his life and he, uh, now, you know, bringing people down there and having these people because now they come back with these experiences that are just like incredible. They're, you know, they may have been sexually abused. They may have been, you know, depressed. They may have been suicidal. And something about these things, my theory is that <clears throat> these things maybe take off certain filters. Maybe your brain is constantly filtering things that you don't want to deal with right now. So like somebody blows a dog whistle. I hear it, but I kind of you know, pitch it down and go, oh, I don't really need that information. Yes. So the, when you take the filters off, maybe let's it, say marijuana takes some filters off and you go, oh, wow, the music sounds really good. Uh, the colors are amazing. But the ayahuasca, the iboga, these master plants take a lot of the filters off. Now you're in present moment awareness and you're like, wow, okay, now let me think about things from this, you know, almost like I'm five years old again. Hmm. I like myself. I you know, that's not the worst thing that happened to me. Uh, there is a lot of love in my life. You can see things kind of in a different perspective. Oh, we got to figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. Because because it, it, it's sounding like the disintegration of trauma, which is compartmentalization. You're talking about the dog whistle. Is, I don't know if it becomes complete and that goes away or if it opens up and you're back in that place and things are just okay. You're managing it. It must be more of a holistic integration because that's the only way people get well. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. A lot of times that is not the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they are not available. 
Not with TrueCar. Of course, I'm talking about TrueCar. You get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Yeah, you know, and we talk about all the time. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar, TrueCar.com or TrueCar app will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. Over 3,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers are available nationwide. You will get to work directly with a TrueCar Certified Dealer that you may contact with. And TrueCar users are more likely to enjoy a faster, better buying experience when they contact a TrueCar Certified Dealer. And on average, you can expect to save over $3,000 off MSRP. Once you register, you'll see a real price on actual inventory. Hook up with that TrueCar certified dealer. Have a better buying experience. TrueCar, go to the TrueCar.com or TrueCar app. Do what I'm telling you. I want to tell you about Health IQ. They use science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for the health-conscious people. It includes runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and more. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. These savings are exclusive to Health IQ. Health IQ can help save our customers up to 33% because... Of course, physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. They maintain their weight more appropriately in a more appropriate range, and they are, of course, training their cardiovascular system. This is from a study done by Warburton et al. in 2006. It's like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, right? Makes sense. Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. All you got to do is go to healthiq, H-E-A-L-T-H-I-Q dot com slash Drew. Makes perfect sense. It's an insurance company that helps the health-conscious people like yourself, renters, cyclists, weightlifters, vegans, vegetarians, helps you guys get lower rates on your life insurance. All you got to do is go to healthiq.com slash Drew. Check it out. See if you qualify. What do you got to lose? Check it out, healthiq.com slash drip. I want to tell you what happened after I did the movie and all these people started seeing, I was like, oh, God, I wish I could get everybody to come down to Peru and have, sit with a shaman. But it's unrealistic. Most people's families, if they said that, they would like lock them up, you mm. know. But I kept looking for a Western approach. And somebody turned me on to ketamine for mm-hmm. depression, low-dose ketamine. It works very well. Not even low-dose. It's these infusions. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's an infusion. So I wound up with a doctor down in Florida. I now have a ketogenics uh, facilities with a doctor where ketogenics, we give people low-dose mm-hmm. ketamine infusions. Mm-hmm. And ketamine's not a psychedelic. Like not at all. It's a walls. dissociative. Exactly. And we don't. We have no idea why it works. But it's being studied. And it's working. And and. Anecdotally, I've seen, I've sat in maybe oh. 200 sessions. It's like night and day. I know how it works. Yeah, I mean, I know that it works. Yeah. And there are a lot of people testi- you know, who testify on that behalf. It, it, it's so powerful. But what I did it myself because mm. I wanted to have the experience. And what happened for me was when, when I disassociated, I was sitting there in this now. So you, have, you, know? you had a conscious experience of it because most people are just asleep, essentially. It, well, you never go asleep. You're always, uh. you know, somebody opens the door, you know. Okay. It's kind of like we, we try to, we dose, start p- dosing people at like 0.5 milligrams okay. per kilogram the first time so yep. that you have an awareness that time. But 
you know, all the big books like Ram Dass, Be Here Now. Mm-hmm. It's like saying get in the now. Uh, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. So, But it's really hard to get into that now moment and stay there. Mm-hmm. Some people meditate for 30 years to try to get there. In 10 minutes in the ketamine, I was disassociated. I was in the now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, no pa- no future, no past, no fear, no nothing. Okay, so zappy. This is pretty amazing. Like, you know, you're you're not even breathe. You don't even know how you're breathing yourself, but it's happening. So maybe you shouldn't just be so hard on yourself if you don't know the most basic fundamental thing of how you're beating your heart. And that realization of being in the now and staying there, even when I came out, uh, it never left me. I mean, that's why everybody has some kind of a really deep impact with the ketamine, even the first time. Can and you give it to people who aren't depressed? Yeah, just want sort of a, I don't know. Because ketamine says, yeah. Because ketamine certainly does not carry the same risk of some of the other ones that, that I worry about. Like, I, I have seen, two, the two things I've seen from Ibogaine and LSD, those are the two that concern me the most, is significant personality changes. Like, this is a different person now. Right, <laughs> now, right. he may be a little happier, but it's a different person. <laughs> and that's like, you know, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Number one. And then the persons, that, the people that have those changes, I was often seeing 10 years later with profound depressions, mm. like recalcitrant depressions. Right. I so. think, you know, it's it's also, again, it comes down to set and setting so that some of those people, if you don't do it right with the right people, you can actually traumatize yourself when you do these They things. weren't traumatized. They were very, just like you, they were very like, this has really helped me. I was inside. I'm like, okay. But then I'd walk away going, but you're not the same guy, but okay. Mm-hmm. And, and then I'd see them 10 years later with these unbelievable depressions. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. So I, I think the ketamine, like you said, it's ketamine FDA approved. Yeah, ketamine's it's, ready to go. Ketamine totally looks safe. very safe. It, yeah. it really yeah. is. And but again, I, these other things, my, my fears about the all these other things, I don't know how much dose those people you did. I don't know how long they did it. I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's all at, – at what point is there real issues like that, if yeah. any, or is it the same forever? I, who the hell knows now? We don't know. We don't it's, know. It's got to be studied. That's why you know I, I started something I'm calling like the mind army. Mm. And the mind army is basically demanding the right to go inside your own mind. So even if you're a libertarian or something, you think, well, you're not hurting anybody. You know, you have addiction, a depression. You're going to die in six weeks. So, like, what's, what's the big deal? Why would we deal? withhold that from death yeah. and dying people? It's just it's cruel in my opinion. It really is. That's – I mean – that is what I think, you know, in your contribution to the show, I think a lot of the people that see it and go, well, I'm not like, you know, advocating it going yeah. wild or whatever. But like, of course, like what Dr. Drew's saying, that makes total sense. Like if you're near death, we have a doctor that was in the uh, in the movie, uh, Dr. Charles Grob from the UCLA Medical Center. Is he the one doing that research? He does that research. I think I've read his literature. Very interesting stuff. Amazing. Yeah. Right? He took It took him 30 years to get 12 people to be able to legally. How insane is do that? It. I know. He said, but he fought for 30 years. and We should be so pissed at our government for oh, that. It's, it's, it's cruel. Yeah. It really, I think, you know, it's going to be looked back on uh, 500 years from now or something. They're going to look back and 50 go, years. 50 years. They're going to say, those people that lived at the turn of the century, they were so cruel. They turned away from, you know, natural plants and How things. About just, they and just, just turned away from things that really we now know are very helpful to people. <laughs> yeah. How could they have done that to them? It's, it's vicious. You know, it's, it's really a control thing because they're like, well, we don't know if this is going to be, it's we can control it. moralizing. Moralizing. Yeah. The idea of a good molecule and a bad molecule. 
Unbelievable, that right? Is right. Insane. It's like alcohol good, good. Alcohol good. Tobacco good. It was good for a little while. Yeah. Uh, mushroom bad. Mushroom, you mushroom you know, bad. Oh, mushroom bad. 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 Oxycontin yeah. good. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. good. Well, maybe yeah. not yeah. now. It's like we're 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 just idiots. We're 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 like primitive animals dealing with it yeah. as opposed to thoughtful human beings. This is know? why I this is why I love the ketamine. This is why ketogenics were setting this up all I, over well, the country. I had to get you touch with a friend of mine. He he wants to set some up in Boston. Oh and, perfect. And I was gonna do some out here with him, but I thought eh. It's not. I would love to have eight. Two things. I would love to have you come down because you well, can critically evaluate. What what's kind of happening. doctor is the doctor doing? He's it? an internal medicine doctor. Really yep. interesting. Yep. And because we, we thought we would have to get either an anesthesiologist or a psychiatrist or both to really do it safely. But if he's doing it as an internist, I'm hats off to him. He, he is, must have a protocol. You know, the protocol is really good that we've developed. But yep. secondly, it's like it's so safe. I mean, you, I, you literally there's no. Well, I think some of the stuff the psychiatrists are doing a little deeper probably than what you guys are doing. Although I did hear five milligram per kilogram, 0.5 milligram. Per well, kilogram. that's where you start because yeah. that's where the Yale study started. Yeah. So we always start there. We always go up. And what we do is we try to give the people the right guidance so that they have as good an experience as possible. But at that point, the ketamine, when you disassociate something happens. I mean, it's incredible. Don't you normally do like five or six treatments with them? Yeah. We yeah. do. Our protocol is to do six treatments. Yeah. Pretty much everybody gets a breakthrough on the first one. And then you do maybe three treatments and you start to really lock in where, right. you know, the permanence. Gary, Neil Brennan, was that the comedian? Yeah. Neil, yeah. Neil Brennan had recalcitrant depression and he then went for the ketamine. Boom. Done. I mean, it is, it is categorically indicated for people with recalcitrant depression. Yeah. For sure. You know For what? Sure. I, I, I'm throwing this out on a podcast, so that's yeah. a little bit more radical. But I'm just saying I would <laughs> love for you to be involved with me because mm. I came up with a concept that I'm calling, you know, everybody's got hack my life kind of thing, like all these life hacks and stuff. And I think an amazing show would be like hack my death. And in that moment, six wow. weeks or something before you're going to die, you, you lost control. You just die, Ooh, die, die. Chills. crazy. And we hack your life. We give you like a ketamine breakthrough. We give you a psilocybin breakthrough because Dr. Grob, what he, these 12 patients, in order to be in the study, yeah. he, they had to come off their antidepressants to be part of this mm-hmm. clinical trial that he was doing with the university. So they came off of it. They had this single psilocybin mushroom experience in the right set and setting with him and his staff. None of the people went back on their antidepressants. They all were like, all right, well, you know, I'm okay with where I'm at. I'm in a better place. Me and my family are all in a better place. Somebody was doing LSD studies too. Do you know who that is at all? Um, That's the one. I bet that's going to be better. Yeah. That's going to be even better. That will be because the molecule, the the, the catalyst is that much stronger. Exactly. So let's keep going through the movie now. So so now, Michelle, is she still doing okay? Yeah, she's doing incredible because – the other thing that she said during that was she said, you know, I feel really empowered. Like I can – instead of just being an actress, I can write on the new movies that are coming out. I can be part of the creative team. She and felt she, more creative. She just felt like I'm empowered. Like what What do I have to lose? Did she know? do all the more breathing and meditative stuff you guys did later? Yeah. Too? Yeah. So I wound up having her, you know, be trained on these different things as, as well as myself and uh, – <laughs> They're really powerful. Like I wish everybody could just meditate and get into this state and just shift their consciousness. But it's, hard. it's really hard, especially with all the media coming at you mm-hmm. and institutions telling you, you know, you're this is bad practice. or whatever. It's hard. So this is easy. I mean, this is just like you know, you have receptors for these things in your body, and you take them in the right set and setting, and. 
I don't know what it is, but there's something about, and I use this word empathy, but I notice that when somebody has like a near-death experience or a deep, deep psychedelic experience that they all of a sudden can they feel more empathy. They can put themselves in other people's shoes. Yeah, that's what that's what is reported for sure. Let, let's talk about the different drugs and the mm-hmm. different experiences you had. Do you mind doing that? Yeah, no. That's All good. right. So, so we could have gone through, gone through ketamine. Yep. We've done a little bit on ayahuasca. Yep. M- there... Ayahuasca. Let me tell you a little bit. The ayahuasca is amazing. They call it like vine of death or little death, and it's really the death of your ego that happens. So, in this several hour experience, you have this experience where I was sitting there and I was in the room and everything was cool and all these trippy things are happening. Like and what? Was, like what? Um, like it was like I was in a 3D Escher painting, okay. you know, and I was going through and it was like, but it was Some multidimensional. Sort of dreamlike. Dreamlike. Yeah. Was there narrative to it? There was a feminine spirit to this ayahuasca that everybody reported across, you know. Does she guide you or is she just kind of there? It's, they, they call it the grandmother, and so it's kind of like whatever you need, mm-hmm. you're, the grandmother in her grandmotherly loving way is going to show you. Maybe not, you know, just does, easy. Does but, the shaman in any way bring that to life or, you know, somehow help with that? Yeah. So the shaman is, you know, in his own way um, – through the music and the chanting and things like that. But he's that. not saying anything. Like not really. Okay. He, are you talking? Are you telling the stories? You're are you no doing w- anything? You're just quiet. the idea is to keep hold the space for everybody else. You're quiet. The silence okay. of the space. All right, and, how, and it goes for hours and hours. Did hours it, and hours. Does it ever get weird or freaky or it gets scary? It, there's a moment that everybody reports this little death where all of a sudden I was sitting there and I was like, oh my god, I just died. Like I realized I, I was – I could have like just gone in there and gone or uh, something, you know. But in that moment, you go, no, I'm zappy. I want to fight and, this and, thing. And was that, and was that dead spot uh, emptiness? No, it was – it was Deeper. It was, it was very – was never, I was never afraid of death after I saw it because I yeah, looked around and I was say. like, wow, look. It's so dynamic what's happening in this death. There's, I'm, I'm not physical, but I see that there's everything happening here. Wow. And it was – I didn't fight it because I was just like, well, I'm just going to have this consciousness experience. I'm not going to fight this thing. Other people in the room, they fought it. And for an hour or two hours, you could see them just in this battle, Ugh. like a boxing match. And they so wouldn't unpleasant. surrender. Unpleasant yeah. for them. Yeah. They would not surrender So not, until not they pleasant broke. for everybody. No. Uh, there's a purge that happens with the ayahuasca that yeah. can be pretty intense, but yeah. it's physically cleansing you. It, it's powerful. And there is a spirit to it. And it's almost like each one of these psychedelics has something different because I wound up well, at the I wanna, Iboga. Okay, Iboga. And I want to tell you about my like? experience. That is so visual because the ayahuasca was like, you know, visions and, you know, trippy things dreamlike. happening. Dreamlike. Yeah. The Iboga was so clear. It was as if you were watching a movie. So you would say, hmm. I'd like to go back to, you know, when my parents were doing this in high school. You're right there in the did room. Did you have that kind of volitional control over it? Yes, you huh. did. And in the, in the time before it, the shaman said, I want you to pick two or three people maybe that you'd like to meet in your ayahuasca experience at the soul level. So it could be somebody who's alive or somebody who's dead, Oof. and you're going to have an interaction with them. Whoa. And so I was going like, oh, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, who should I? Oh, this is Einstein, I'm thinking. And at, at the end of it, I came to Chris Farley, the comedian, 
And I was like, Were wow. you high at that point? I know. I was totally before, it was in the days. It was a day before. Okay. I was just like, ah, oh, it'd be interesting. Okay. Chris Farley. It's I don't think this is gonna happen anyway, so I might as well yeah. like, who knows? Chris Clever. Farley. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so I, I do the iboga and like I said, it's like a movie. It's like, you know, you say, I want to go to the old office that I had. And all of a sudden... Do you plan it, that out beforehand? No. It I just spontaneously just, occurs yeah, to you. exactly. Do and you ever think of going to places you were unpleasant? Or a couple some, times somebody, you went yeah. and checked it out. You had those experiences. But the shaman and the iboga experience is very interactive. Uh, you're talking to him. Your uh-huh. eyes are closed, but you're having this... You might say to the shaman, hey, somebody's trying to get me to go into this building right here. Should I go in there? And the shaman says, what kind of building is it? And you're like, I don't know, like a, a church or something. Oh, nope, nope. Keep going. Too much structure, you know, a government building. Stay away. Too scary. You know? <laughs> and it's really – so you're you're in this movie of a life, wow. you know. And so I, I'm in this experience and I'm having this experience and it's going along hours and hours. And I, I show up at this house, this party, and I look through the window. I'm looking at it. I go, ah, I might as well go. It looks like everybody's having fun in there. I go in. I walk in, I'm looking around, I look to the back, and there's Chris Farley. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is this is happening, you know? I, I still had my mind where I was like, this is happening. So I went over and I was like, hey, Chris, yeah, I, I think I'm supposed to meet you. And, you know, I'm, the shaman always says, you know, if somebody comes into your space or something, instead of being scared, just say, do you have something to share with me? Is there some, you know, something you want to share? So Farley's like, yeah, let's hang out. So we start hanging out. We're joking, the people at the party. And um, eventually the jokes in the party, this is when it started to get dark in the Iboga, is the jokes that people were saying at the party, not me and Farley, but at the party, started to get dark. Like they were making fun of somebody at the party. And everybody was like piling on and just – it wasn't even funny. That's what was so – it wasn't like funny, but yeah. like it was horrible. And Farley and I were looking at each other. And at a certain point, Farley said to me, he said, you see that? He goes, that's why you can't try to make everybody laugh. He's like, look at what these people are laughing at. Mm. And I was like, wow, you know, maybe that was your deal, you know. And as soon as that happened, boom, I was gone. I was in, you know, out in another experience. And I was just, it just stuck with me. I was just like, wow, you know, like, let me keep going here and find, see if I can tap into some more things in my life or things that I should be checking out. During that trip. During that trip. And did you? And I did. I just, I kept on going. I, I had some kind of a conversation with what it seemed to be, you know, Einstein and just, you know, um, laugh. It was more, it wasn't much of a conversation. It was more just like enjoying life and just, you know, having, you know, not being in the, in the real realm. And so I, as I came out of that, I think there's one experience in the Iboga that's the, the, the moment that you come to where you're like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over. But like, I, if I'm stuck like this, I can't even have a conversation with my kids. I can't even like eat some applesauce. I'm going to have to sit in a mental institution, be fed, yeah. and you're you know, scared. Locked. You get yeah. locked in. Yeah. And so if you can, once you bust through that moment, once you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm screwed, bam, you're through it. And hmm. now I was on the road to recovery. And then in the there's about a uh, maybe a 24-hour period where they call it like a gray period where you're – you're tired, you yeah. want to sleep, but you can't. And then you come out of that and you feel incredible. Huh. It was like the experience that those addicts have where they're just like, wow, I feel so good. Pink cloud. Yeah. Okay. And and let's talk about other ones. Uh, let's talk about DMT. Did you do that? Yeah. DMT. What was that like? <sighs> amazing. Um, you know, 
this DMT, uh, the one I did was the kind that you, there's DMT, it turns out, in everything. So there's DMT in your body, there's DMT in this table, yeah. and in certain barks and things, there's a high levels of DMT. So you take that high level and you can smoke that DMT. And what happened was I was in Topanga Canyon, I smoked this DMT, and as soon as I was like blowing it out, whew, it hit me that fast. Like mm-hmm. it was, I hadn't even blown it out and it hit me. And I shifted like dimensions. And I had this experience where a couple things occurred to me where uh, the fire in the fireplace that was going, I was looking at it and I saw it and I was like, oh my God, it's total geometric patterns. I always thought it was just flames going, but it was geometrically happening in these, I could see the geometry of it. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. That fire is like that. So I had that experience. And then I had this weird experience where anything that I looked at, like if I looked at the coffee cup that was on the table next to me and then i shifted my glance a little bit to the right there was like a perfect version of that thing and i was like oh, it's so beautiful <laughs> it's like you know uh you know michelangelo made that cup you know and you're like wow i wonder if form it of the really cup. looks like the this. form of the cup yeah with it. well new year's is coming up everyone's trying to set their new resolutions but um hmm. You may not know exactly what you need to do or what's best for you to do. Well, there is now a way to target your genetics and your genetic traits to deliver programs that are built just for you. So I keep doing a workout or a diet plan that you're just sort of guessing is right. Go to Fitness Genes. It's an ultimate personalized fitness program, and it's built for you and your genetic profile. It's a DNA analysis kit plus one of these goal-based genetically optimized training system, either losing weight, building muscle, or getting fit. Order the DNA analysis kit, 20% off using the promo code DREW. You can add a training system later if you want. Check out what is appropriate for you. Leverage your genetics to make the most out of your diet and exercise choices. You could be sabotaging your success. It could be your genes. It could be your genetic profile. It could be your biology that makes it so difficult for you to respond to whatever program you've randomly chosen or you think is one that you're more likely to enjoy. But how about the one that's just right for you? Things like drinking the right kind of coffee and at the right time of day, exercising at the optimal time. Genetically, are you lactose intolerant? Are you unnecessarily cutting too many carbs and neglecting the healthy fat intake? Thank you, Vinny. These are just a few of the insights that you will gain at the Fitness Genes Analysis. Get the results in just four weeks. Spit saliva in a collection capsule. Mail it back. Designed by a team of geneticists and doctors. Order now and compare your results. Find out by searching Fitness Gene and Dr. Dan on Facebook. Follow them at Fitness Genes or at Dan Reardon, R-E-A-R-D-O-N. Check them out. Look into it. Fitness Genes. It's an interesting program, and it may be exactly what you need to get success in either losing weight, building muscle, or getting fit. Again, it is Fitness Genes, G-E-N-E-S, Fitness Genes. It, it, a lot of people, DMT is fleeting though, right? It doesn't last very long? Very quick. Yeah. and Five minutes. Some something. people that have uh, described that to me say they feel the sense of self really goes away. It can be kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Did you have that? It's a just total destruction of self. I mean, yeah, that's what they've heard. You're almost... You're not even aware of self. You're on it. You're in it. It's almost like you shifted a to yeah, a dimension for some people, where you're not right, physical. Right, you're somewhere out. Yeah, and, but some people that's unpleasant. Yeah, and the, I think if somebody guides you properly, like all of these things, like if somebody guides you properly, you're not going to have a bad experience. Especially, I'm going to say the ketamine because it seems like there's some kind of rails on this thing. No, no ketamine you know? is very different than the rest. Yeah, really different properties. 
And then LSD. Talk to me about that. And then LSD, you know, it, again, filters off. I think it's just a it's it's taking these filters off your brain and Well, now are the sensory filters or emotional filters? Or cognitive filters or all the above. All all the above. So that color becomes sound, uh, you know, uh, dimensions that are a million miles away or close. Everything is just a different context. Holistic? So it all becomes whole? Yeah. You see the wholeness. What yeah. happened to me, I'm actually going to tell you, I had an experience with LSD where I looked I, I got to a point where I was seeing everything at the energy level. Yeah. So my hand I could see it was trillions of atoms just spinning at a certain frequency and then I looked over and I saw the table was the same atoms. They were just vibrating at a slightly different frequency. And I was like, oh my God, everything's atoms different frequency. My friends a slightly different frequency. And I could see all the atoms in the air that are between us right now. They had Crazy. a frequency. And I was just like I came out of that experience. I could never unsee that. So now, you know, something tough happens in my life or something. I kind of just look at my hand. And I go, you know what? This is an illusion. You're filtering this because really this is trillions of atoms and you're connected to Dr. Drew right here. There's like a blue energy maybe. My daughter, there might be a pink energy between the two of us. It's I don't see it because I have so many filters on just trying to – exist and have a conversation so i filter filter i need you to think about that filter concept a little more too, there's got to be something more to that you got to figure that one out yeah because i think you're onto something i'm not quite sure what it is yet i mean I, I get the experience but i mean the description the the function of the of how it get you get there i, I don't know how else to describe yeah i mean it. you know like He's michelle just, rodriguez says in the movie you know you're just like a filtering mechanism you know you're just you're taking in what you can <sighs> handle what you want to handle in some cases. See, I think of it as an integrating, you're sort of your linear integration, you know, you're putting things together. Yes. And then when you make it more holistic, it, it, all that's arbitrary. Yeah. That's all just seems very arbitrary when you take it from the holistic perspective. I, I think that happens, but you, in, in day-to-day life, you never experience that. Have you, so. Oh, no, no. Have you read that uh, book, Stroke of Genius, I think it's called, the woman that has a stroke and she, because the right side of her brain shuts down. She has this experience yes. in the setting of a stroke, and it's a little different still. But this whole holism thing we're kind of talking about—I think a stroke. She, I think a stroke would be close yeah, to some know, like deep, deep. You should read the book. Got, you know, or do we watch yeah. her TED talk. Yeah, yeah. I think it's called a stroke. Hey, help me with this. The woman's name. Stroke, stroke of insight. What's her name, uh, Gary? Jill Bolt Taylor. Jill Bolt Taylor. Yeah, I think I've seen her uh, TED talk, yeah. and it's amazing. And. Um, Ram Das is in the movie, uh, in the reality. Oh, is he, is he okay? He's, he's good. He's amazing. He's you had know. a stroke himself. He's had a, of, a yeah. huge stroke himself. And I thought he was going to be kind of, you know, just hard to communicate in an interview no, and apparently stuff. he's quite present. He's right. super pre- If you try to get him to recall a story and he tells the story, it might take him a long time yeah. to do it. But if you get him talking about something he's passionate about, he's like super tight. Hmm. So I think... You know, even though like a stroke, that could be that, you know, opening up of the filters. Even some of these autistic kids, maybe they have certain filters maybe. that are switched on that we don't have. Yeah, different you ones. Know? Oh, we got to come up with a new concept. Yeah. The filter doesn't work for me. Yeah. I, know what you're, I know what you mean by filter, but yeah. that doesn't neurologically make sense to me. It, it's it's – we're going to figure it out yeah. one day. But I, I, I come back <laughs> to what you said in the movie. It's like 
in the end of life situation, this hack my death. I mean, people are it's just great idea. so vulnerable. They're just going to fade out into death. And if they could, in that one moment, just say, "Okay, you let's know do what? Another documentary about let's that. Let's do it. Yes, yes I'm in. That. And if That'd you could too. be the therapist, I mean, I mean, what would be better than well, that? Well, let me be the guide, sort of thing. You know, yes, the, the happy to. I mean, we're doing this, it. This is important. Even a show, I think, because you know what? It, what it occurred well, to me. I'm, I'm writing a script right now about a therapist who uses psychedelics, trying really? to explore that. Yeah. Well, I want to tell you this is this is a, this could be a because it's just key time, it's time the it. public kind of understand this stuff. I, not I'm, again, I'm not advocating. I'm just saying, help us get the research done at least. Right, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. Study it. Yeah. See what's here. Because people, because people they, like Dave Navarro is a friend of mine. He said he's had some of these treatments too, and he's like, please, this is serious business. Don't just leave people with the idea that you should just run, go do this on your own. And, and you're saying the same thing. You got the right guidance, the yeah. right people there, and the. And 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 with great purpose, you yeah. do this for a good reason because you don't know, you don't know the risks. Yeah, and you know when somebody's six weeks from dying, there is no risk. There's it's no not risk. like they're going to get addicted or it's going to go no. bad or no. something. Maybe There's if it goes no bad, then, yeah. Uh, it, it, how much worse going to get? It's bad <laughs> anyway. Like, right, right. right. So I love this concept of hacking somebody's death right in that moment because what happened? I was death watching hackers. death hackers. I was watching uh, American or uh, America's Got Talent with yeah. my kids, and we were watching it. And this young girl had this experience of her story where her father was dying while she was on the show. The last week before she's about to do the big finale, the father dies, mm. and this little girl, the courage to get up there in front of millions of people and yeah. sing this song to her dad, you oh, know, and it's God. like just like. I, she got millions and millions of more votes just because of her courage, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, was, I saw that and I was like, wow, you know, if you took somebody, let's say a man, a woman in one episode, a transgender person, a veteran, a drug addict, a, you know, somebody who's dying of cancer, somebody who's dying of a brain tumor, some, the, the emotional connection that the audience would have with this person who oh, yeah. winds up dying not that yeah. far long after – uh, Intense, but has this deep breakthrough. I think it pr- could be the most compelling show that's ever been on television. I'm so, in. We, all right, I'm in. all right, let's do it. Uh, just because it's so important, it's just so important. It really is. Uh, um, I, I want to keep going through the substances. Yeah, uh, psilocybin. Psilocybin. Yeah. So psilocybin, I've done a bunch of times, and. It's interesting because I talk about the different spirits or energies of these things. The ayahuasca is known as the grandmother. The iboga is like the crusty grandfather. It's known as, you know, tough love. But the psilocybin is like the wild cousin. And it has a very male energy to it, like a male-dominated energy of, you know, fun and testosterone and things like that. And so – but it can be really, really deep. I mean it can just – you know, really change you in a, in a, in a dose. Like I, I was thinking about a name for this thing, like a dose before dying for one of these episodes, nice. because it's, uh, in that single thing, you know, these plants have their own energy intelligence to them. They're very, you know, they're ancient and they're, they're like a biohack for us potentially where we can hack our own bio, you know, model with these plants that are 
you know, tapping into different receptors and things. So I think the mushrooms are, you know, kind of thing where if you do them recreationally, you know, you're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to, your ribs are going to hurt from laughing so much kind of thing. If you do it with the intent of, hey, I want to have a spiritual experience. I'm going to be by myself. You can have one of those experiences where uh, it can be as profound as any experience you've ever had in your life. Are are you, I, I, I know you've been changed by all this, but do people say, hey, you're not the same? No, they say I, I think I'm pretty much the same. You know, I just have had I have <coughs> maybe no fear of death right now. That's just been eliminated for me because I had that experience of see- what felt like seeing death and it being pretty incredible. So that's a change, and then that change of seeing the atoms in my hand, it just it 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 makes you not take things so seriously. And when I go into one of these psychedelic sessions with people, if I'm guiding them, either it's ketamine or mushrooms or, or anything, I say, let's remember, let's try to have a conscious experience. Let's make that our intent. No, no specifics, but just expand our consciousness. And then I always remind them of this quote that the Maharishi said that I love, which is, we have the serious responsibility to take nothing serious. Hmm. And if you go in with that kind of a perspective, then you go when the weird stuff happens, you're just like, ah, that's weird. You know, that's interesting. And when the, you know, amazing things happen that are sort of the things that you come back with, um, you can also not take yourself so seriously. I'm not sitting here saying I'm much more empathetic to everybody, Dr. Drew. I'm, you know, I'm a much better guy now. I'm the same person. I just... And have a little bit more of my own awareness. So I can't really be shaken by other outside forces or people saying, you know, this is good or that's bad or why are you doing this? It's just like, well, this is what's good for me. And I, I've experientially figured out what seems to be good for me. So I'm good. Has anyone been negative on the film? Taking you guys on? Um, not really. You know, um, <laughs> there, there's a part in the movie where uh, – Joel Osteen's in the movie. And it's this amazing part where we talk about could there have even been psychedelics in the Bible potentially. And, you know, Deepak Chopra, who's in the movie, he talks about how in his uh, Vedic tradition there's something called Soma, which was a mystery plant mentioned over a hundred times in his Rig Veda. And he said, if you read the description of that, just like in the Bible, in the Rig Veda, it says this is a plant that doesn't come from a seed. And he's like, well, the only plant that doesn't come from a seed is a mushroom. mushroom. Yeah. yeah, it's spores. Yeah. Um, and it says that the holy men would drink the urine of the reindeer, the stag. And that's a shamanistic practice that's taken place for millions of years where the reindeer eat the mushrooms. Oh. And then the shamans drink the urine and they can drink it like up to five times and crazy. still have this crazy experience. Toad? Did you do any Sonoran toads? Um, I did not do the toad. I'm, I'm, for the moment, I'm eating you know, vegan right now. I'm like conscientious of objecting to the animal thing going on. And so the toad coming from the animal, I have not done it. But I have been at a ceremony and watched a dozen people do the toad and it's it's something else i mean this is like you know this is a poison and what happens is i i've watched these people and there's a whole purge that goes with it where they drink tons of water and they purge it and they drink more water and they purge it and i think what's happening my analysis of what's happening is because they all say i went right to the white light i left my body it was incredible best experience of my life but i think what happens is 
your body goes into actual death mode. I was going to say, I wonder how many times people's hearts just slow down so much that they no have no oxygen going to their brains. They, it, it feels like that moment yeah. happens because they they go uh, so deep, and um, you know, I think all the cells in the body are basically they they start communicating like, hey. The guy's dying yeah. over here. Okay, cancer cells over there. Cut it, <laughs> cut it out. Let's go. Get this guy back. And <laughs> and you can really change your, you know, your own immune system because part of these plants they say ayahuasca, iboga, they can boost your own immune system as yeah. opposed to being a cure for yeah, something. Yeah. They're not, but they can boost your own immune system. And I think the when you that's have also that the death, future, by the way. How how these things can affect your immune function? We don't have. We're finally doing some immunotherapies and things in science, and now this kind of stuff starts to make sense. Yes. It's something we can also study again. If we can I think your movie is going to be amazing because, you know, from a psychiatry or a psychology standpoint, what's happening? And then, you know, does the end justify the means? I mean, even if these, you know, maybe it doesn't in these situations where the person was kind of normal, but if they're dying, then the end justifies the means. If they have an addiction and they were going to die, or, or, well. or disabling PTSD, where your life is you came, tried everything, mm-hmm. or disabling depressions. Mm-hmm. Although the ketamine is a perfect thing for yeah, that. Yeah, so. ketamine is. Uh, yeah. I've had people come in, uh, young kids, girls with you know bandages on their mm-hmm. wrist where they'd slice their wrist and stuff, yeah. and you hit them with the ketamine, no, and forty-five minutes later, they're just like, hey, I, you know I've, what? I've heard, I've read the literature. It's, it's crazy. And, and it's, you know. How could we be ignoring be, this? Well, is, because it's a bad molecule. It's a bad right, drug. Right. Just because people abuse something doesn't mean it's a bad molecule. It means we need to look at the human relationship with that molecule. Yeah. So. I even think with the ketamine, you know, a lot of that misinformation about, oh, it's addictive or no, it's I've not going to work I've seen it. or something. No, I've seen addiction. Yeah. Not not with what, the way you're doing it. Yeah. It's a whole different yeah. well, concentration. I, I think what it is, if you're an addict and you're abusing heroin or whatever, I give you some ketamine, you're going to abuse it. But if you come in depressed off the street and then you do ketamine, you're not going to become addicted to ketamine. No, no, so. no, no, no. Even if you're an addict, you might, you probably will not. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not that kind of exposure. Because so. it's not it, – none of these things are complete – they're not fun all the time. You know, these are serious – Yeah, it's serious business. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And th- that's the, the message of all of this. And, and, and although there's kind of an, a, a fantastic quality that's intriguing to all of it, it's actually very serious stuff. Yeah. Our brains we're talking about here. Yeah. And in, a, in our brains and our minds and our very self is at issue, mm-hmm. if not being altered. Yes. There's nothing more profound yeah. uh, well, other than life itself. I, uh, I, I had this funny thing where um, I, I showed the movie. I screened it uh, at the Psychedelic Science Conference up in Oakland uh, earlier this year at MAPS. Yeah. yeah. And it was really well received. The conference was incredible. There were a few yeah. thousand, you know, yeah, that's intellectuals the group that's there right, trying to look at this stuff. Incredible. Yeah. And yeah. they had that. They was right as they were getting third stage trial uh, approval on their MDMA therapy right. for PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was amazing there was that um, you had you could see that there was a critical mass of people mm. uh, that were real people. They weren't hippies or they were, these were scientists. Yeah, the clinicians, you know? yeah. And I did these little um, flyers for the uh, event, you know, uh, come check out the screening on this time and this date. Uh, and on the back, I put this picture of me uh, sitting in a plant medicine ceremony. I'm, I'm cross-legged. And I have Donald Trump next to me, Kim Jong-un, Adinejad, and You can only Putin. get them into it. <laughs> I know. But so, somebody came up to me at the thing and the lady goes, this happened? 
Oh my god, that's too funny. And I was like, oh yes. my god, not that's really yet. Funny. But well, Zappy, I appreciate you coming in there. I obviously, I think you're gonna have a bunch of people downloading this from YouTube. Uh, reality of truth after our little conversation here because it, it is a fascinating topic. I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what Michelle's experience with this is. Yeah, because that sounds like a very important. Uh, is she is she out talking about it at all? Yeah, she. Yeah. You know, she, this is she's probably the best spokesperson for going inside your mind, taking the time to go inside your mind. Yeah, as you know, an important thing. And maybe if you don't do it in your life, maybe you wasted your life. Like at least at some point go in there. Uh, and so it's really powerful. That's an important piece of the film really for people to see. And then, like I said, you and I too, I think you and I right now with where everything's at, we could change the dying process. Like you said, we could make a difference think right about there. That. I mean, we certainly have no compunction as clinicians saturating people with opiates at the time of death. Mm-hmm. Why is this different? Why is this qualitatively different except that it might be better? Yeah. <laughs> you know what and, I mean? and even it's their just, family, like, you know, they, what happens to them is also maybe, right, they, you know, we got to do this. All right, my friend, we're going to wrap this right. thing up. Uh, guys, are you, you have any questions for Zappy? I know you guys are sort of... Uh, I have a question for yeah. you. Oh. Right. What are what would your thoughts? I mean, you've been very positive about it throughout this whole. What would your thoughts be? Well, on, I raised my concerns too because I have real concerns. No, I know you do, but yeah. I'm asking. I want to ask a more global question, yeah. which was as a doctor and someone who is deeply embedded in the addiction community. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the movements to try to decriminalize or lower the categories of some of these? I have drugs? no problem with that. You have no problem with no. any of it. No. At least I, to I be studied, right? It, 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 well, Would you it, want restrictions for age and stuff like that? I mean, I, I, my feeling about the laws is I don't make the laws. The, the people make the laws. No, I understand. I'm just saying but, I want your opinion I, as a medical person. It helps me when things are illegal because when consequences come to bear, it helps me leverage people into treatment. So when things are illegal, it is helpful when the axe comes down to get people to really take care. And a lot of people find sobriety when they lose their freedom. Absolutely. Yeah, so but so do I, don't you, mind, that, I don't mind that, that, that it's illegal. I don't have a philosophical need for it to be illegal. Does that make well, sense? Yes, it does. But I think you do have a philosophical need for some of the opiate stuff, some of the more addictive stuff. Is this because no, these? No, no, I don't. No? I, I, it helps me help the patient. And so pragmatically, I'm for it. But, but does but that I, apply in a case of something like psilocybin, which isn't traditionally addictive? Does that is that different than an opiate or a, uh, a cocaine? Uh, it's just bizarre to me that an opiate, which is killing millions of people today, is quite legal. And, yeah, and psilocybin exact. is yeah. a Schedule One. We can't even can't even touch it. It's that's, so dangerous. That's my that's question. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. That's insanity. Fair now, enough. But because we can't do the research on the psilocybin, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I don't. And so that's why I'm fascinated by the Zappies and the other people that are looking into this, and, and Duncan Trussell and people like that. No, same. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know guys. what to do except to say, please let us research this stuff. And what a better place than death and dying, where. How, how much harm can you do? Yeah. And do no harm is my main thing. That's why I worry about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. And, so and if, stay tuned for that <laughs> series or movie that. with Dr. Drew Whatever and myself. Whatever we do. Whatever yes. we do. But, my friend, thank you so All much. Right. Any place Super you want people to go to be besides here. YouTube, zappy.com? Um, no, go to YouTube. Put in the reality of truth. You can watch yep. the movie right there for free. And, uh, you know, we put it on there so people could see it because it was the information so important that it was more important than us, you know, charging and getting less people and, to and see again, it. And, again, don't go away and think i gotta charge out and do this stuff be very very this is not an endorsement this is a food for thought mm-hmm. food for thought everybody and i will see you next time thank you thank you for calling times and topics follow the show on twitter at dr drew podcast that's d-r-d-r-e-w podcast the music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the dr drew podcast 
now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. 